Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to another great episode of Brace for Impact. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this one was an amazing one. It was very cool to be a part of because not only did we score a great interview with former Arizona gubernatorial candidate and possibly senatorial candidate, Carrie Lake, but her and I discovered that we had a lot of things in common. And this is someone that's even being talked about for vice president on the 2024 ticket for the GOP. And she had a lot of great things to say, not just about the politics of her life and what's going on in her professional arena, but she had some great personal things to say and personal advice for people out there listening. From being Christian and having a large family, to both of us relating to leaning on our faith, relying on God to help us get through those rough patches of our life, we bonded, to be honest. She was, like most of our guests, very open, honest, and real. We talked about her major issue of election integrity and the importance of local races, how it does matter. Some people put it in the back of their head. They think that enough people are going to vote. The right outcome will occur. Not true. We've hit a point now, it seems, in America where we need to be on top of every single local, state, and federal election that's available to the citizenry to vote on. That's what makes America special, that we even have this sort of election system and the freedom to put people that represent our interests in power. Not another country's interest, not monetary interests, not their own interests, the people's interests. And local races seem to be having more of an impact than ever before, as you see political DAs bringing charges against their enemies, while also allowing crime to run rampant, choosing not to prosecute, letting people out of jail, opting not to go for maximum penalties. It's as if some of them are just letting criminals back out onto the street on purpose. You have school board members and teachers across the country that think it's all right for a child to attend a drag show. Now, far be it for me to tell anyone in a district or a state how they can vote or about their freedoms, but it doesn't look as if the people that have been elected are representing the will of the majority in this country. So we discussed that and we talked about what Carrie does to calm down and stay sane among the chaos because she's neck deep in it. And we talked about the criminality that does exist, not just inside the ballot box, but outside the ballot box. And we discussed the main part of the interview. The best part, I thought, was when she discussed the aspect of there being more to life than money and work. She was an anchor, a news anchor, and that gave her a very comfortable lifestyle and a very nice paycheck. And it's a difficult thing to sacrifice that kind of comfort and those earthly satisfactions, right? I know the feeling too. We're all human. We all want to feel safe and secure and happy. But are we willing to trade those for soul and peace of mind? It's very easy to get that initial dopamine hit of whatever it is on 
the earth that we want or that we're seeking, then afterwards, sometimes we crash and we feel terrible and we regret the decision. We wish we'd opted to do, quote unquote, the right thing. Now, I've worked in media, too. We shared that frustration. It's not an easy job. There were times when I did think about just riding the wave, though. Cash the paycheck, write the easy article, do what they tell you. And I won't get into too many details, but I've worked at quite a few outlets, and not all of them were full of bad people. But there were just moments where I felt like I was being asked to go against who I was. And not only that, but to put it on paper or to put it out there for everyone to see. And I couldn't do it. Like her, I just, um, it wasn't a holier-than-thou thing. It wasn't a matter of being angry or upset or sour grapes. There were just nights where I could not sleep. And there were days when I was wide awake and it ate at me like it ate at her. It was like a pit in our stomach. And I didn't know that she thought that way. I thought she left because she just thought she could do some good and she wanted to get into the political arena. It seems like a very easy one plus one equals two move from media into politics. It happens and vice versa. But I had no idea that she felt the same way. And there were nights where I'd be in bed all by myself and I'd think about the future. I'd think about my soul. And I knew deep down, someday, sooner than later, I'd have to explain my choices. But mainly, I'd have to come up with an answer for the question, what did you do with what I gave you. And we happen to share all those things in common. And for those out there who are skeptical of her or her detractors that might be listening, I've met a lot of political and media savvy people on both sides of the spectrum. She was friendly. She was honest. And whether you agree with her or not, she did seem to want the best for our nation. And again, I want to quote a couple of movies that come to mind here. First one, and then I'll let Carrie take it away. The first one is Gladiator. 2000, Russell Crowe. And he's asked to become emperor, for those of you that remember. Great film. And the emperor asks him, do you accept this great honor that I've offered you? So Russell Crowe's character says, with all my heart, no. He just wanted to go home, see his family. And that's when Caesar looks at him and says, that is why it must be you. We want candidates, I think, in my opinion, we want candidates that don't need the job, that don't need to go in and come out richer than when they went in. And when I look at her, this is a headache she didn't need. She had money, she had comfort, she had popularity, she had a niche that she'd found. This had nothing to do with, I'm going to enrich myself. I'm going to bump myself up. So that gives me the vibe that she's trying to at least do the right thing. Whether you agree with her on policy or not. And the other movie I want to talk about, because it reflects both of our views, and then, we'll, like I said, we'll dive in. Jerry Maguire, Tom Cruise, 1996. For those of you that don't remember, he plays a sports agent, and he's a shark. Everything's about money. Doesn't even matter who the players are, their health, how long they go back. It becomes so business that every joyful aspect of the industry representing athletes had just lost its allure. And one night at a conference, he wakes up in a cold sweat and realizes, I believe the quote was, I hated my place in the world. And he writes a memo to his colleagues. And the memo is titled, The Things We Think and Do Not Say. It went over basically how, as a younger agent, he used to love the sound of his stadium when his players would perform well. How he'd stick by them in health and in injury. How he just started out of law school when he took the job. How it felt. And he sends the memo around to all of his colleagues. 
Shortly after, he gets called into the office and he gets fired. And he was one of the best. But because he put it on paper that the answer was less money, less clients, and more attention, more substance, they couldn't have that. And just like that industry, this industry of politics and media runs on the same idea. Just like when McGuire said less money, less clients, if you say that in media, less articles, more substance, less frivolous clicking, uh, clickbait, and more real news, you're not going to get a lot of support these days. So that is the sentiment we need. We need people to step up and not have it be an act of enrichment, but an act of self-sacrifice. So please sit back, relax, and let's take a listen to this fantastic episode that I entitled Peace of Mind Amidst a Lake of Fire. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Carrie, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's so good to be on. I love the name, Brace for Impact. It kind of feels like we've been in that mode uh, for quite some time right now, ready to you know, brace for the worst and just um, and, and really get ourselves through this tough time. So perfect name. Thank you so much. It's really funny you mentioned that. I had my per- some personal medical struggles I went through that I wanted to write a book about, and I always wanted to call it Brace for Impact because that's how it felt. And I saw, looking out my window, society was mirroring how I felt personally. It was you're kind of up to the edge, your back's against the wall. So thanks so much for pointing that out because um, it feels like we're living in that, right? Like we're headed for, for a cliff at 100 miles an hour. Yeah, we are. But the great, the great news is I think as we're, as we're kind of – you know, hitting that cliff, the cliff's edge, I think a lot of people are waking up and realizing that this is our moment to do something big and save this amazing country that we have, this amazing constitution that our, our founding fathers uh, had the wisdom to give us. And so I'm, I'm very hopeful, not just hopeful, I'm very confident that we will get through this. Sometimes it feels like we're having tough days and there's so much bad news coming down, but there's also victories coming down and they're not being reported by the mainstream media, thankfully for just the news and, and people like John Solomon and yourself, we're getting, we're getting that out there in the alternative news, which is watching its viewership and its subscriptions increase as people just crave the truth and crave real journalism once again. Thank Jesus, because that's such a huge pillar of our society and our country and in the United States that if we have there's no truth if the media and the people that are voices out there for us to tell us what we're supposed to be paying attention to are not being truthful with us, then I agree that we're starting to finally see people turn to the alternatives uh, on the internet and, and in a, a podcast like this even. And uh, with that, I wanted to get into your biggest topic and, and just start off with that. Now, let's talk about election integrity. Do you have faith that after COVID and, and some subsequent elections have had some chaos to them, do you have hope for the future of where Americans' elections are heading, or is it still heading in the wrong direction with the pendulum swinging the other way? Well, it goes beyond chaos. It, it goes straight to just criminal activity. This isn't just, oh, wow, we had more people than we expected to show up and we couldn't handle it. This is absolute sabotage of our elections, criminal activity, um, the trampling of our sacred vote. 
and thank God for populist candidates such as President Donald J. Trump and myself, where you saw lots of people show up and that exposes all of the corruption in the election process. And so I do have hope because let's look at it this way. Six, seven years ago, we, we didn't know there was this much corruption in our elections. We would get the typical uniparty candidates, really one and the same. One had a D behind their name. Another one had the R, but really what they were in for and what they were running for was the protection of this corrupt bureaucracy and this corrupt political machine that really doesn't give a darn about the people. And then we get a populist like President Trump and it jolts us awake and we realize um, how popular his policies are, how he's working so hard to turn things around. And we go to vote for him in droves uh, on November 3rd, 2020. And this impossibility happened. This basement creature named Joe Biden somehow won. The math doesn't add up. The stats don't add up. And I used to say when someone tried to tell me, no, really, he did win, I would say, don't insult my intelligence. But now I'm saying, if you are buying this this lie that Joe Biden won in 2020, then then you need to have, uh, you really need to have your head examined because it's mathematically impossible that that happened. And you really need to look at the facts. And so, you know, fast forward a couple years and same thing happened to me. We were, um, you know, we led a movement here of the people. It was never about me. It was about saving Arizona, securing that border and restoring elections so that every voter, whether they're far left Democrat or far right Republican knew that when they showed up at the polling places that their vote counted, their legal vote counted, and they could rely on it. And they stole it again, right in broad daylight. So when they did that, it wasn't just a few people going, wait, that didn't feel right. That didn't seem right. People saw it with their own eyes. A quarter of a million times on election day in Maricopa County, the ballots were spit out unreadable. 61% of voting locations were not operational. The machines didn't work. They intentionally printed the wrong image on the ballot in order to sabotage our movement because they could not have somebody like myself, an outsider who was vowing and promising to turn this around and end the corruption in Arizona and secure our border and secure our elections. They couldn't have that because their whole corrupt machine would fall. And so... I feel that we're making huge progress. We're exposing it. It's not just about exposing what's happening to the judges. Obviously, we want our judges to rule in accordance with the law. We know that many in the judiciary are corrupt, and we might be exposing more of that corruption. But we want to prove to the people that our elections are a mess, and we will lose our country and lose our freedom if we don't address this now. So we're working really hard to do that. It is my main goal. It is a hill worth dying on for me. And I, I agree with you. It's huge. People not having their voices heard at the ballot box means the policies coming out of our lawmakers and our leaders are not the will of the people. And that's not America. So I, I'm agree, in agreement with you 100 percent. Well, and our, our founding fathers, they, they fought for this. They died for this. They lost loved ones. Many of them lost their lives because they did not want to bow down to a king across the ocean. They wanted representation. And they built this beautiful system that we're on the verge of losing. And it all stemmed on having the ability to vote, having your one legal vote count, and having we the people choose who represents us. And thank God for President Trump and his amazing populist America First movement that we recognize that, oh my gosh, our elections are a mess. And it's been verified again in 22 with my election and many others that 
we can't continue to have these corrupt, crooked election officials in a couple of mega-sized counties across the country controlling and stealing our elections. When you think about it, these these county supervisors in a few counties around the country have more power to determine what our future is in America, the trajectory of our future, than we the people do. We've got people like Stephen Richer and Bill Gates in Maricopa County who have more power than almost anybody in this country, and they are driving this country into the ground with these corrupt elections. So when I see your name in the press or I see you on TV, my question that always comes to my mind is, what's next for her? Is she going to run for Senate? Is she going to run for governor again? Is she going to write a book? Is she going to head up some institute to tackle voter fraud? Uh, I know it's a kind of a speculatory question, but do you have any thoughts or plans on what the future holds for you as a a leader speaking out the way you have? Well, right now I'm I'm a little bit in a state of limbo and that's okay. God's giving me wonderful, um, a wonderful experience in, in practicing patience <laughs> and I needed it. Okay. <laughs> Not loving it, but I needed it. And that my patience is actually uh, growing stronger and, and I need that. And I'm happy for that. Any challenge God gives me, I know I can grow from. And we're just waiting um, at, for our case to go through the court system. The mainstream media will act like our, our case is dead. It's not. It's very much alive. We're waiting, as a matter of fact, right now for the Supreme Court to rule on part of our case when it comes to 35,000-plus ballots that were injected that came out of nowhere like magic in Maricopa County. We've got magicians running our elections, and they just come up with ballots and count them. So we're waiting on that from the Supreme Court. We're also uh, waiting for a court date for our a part of our case to go back to the lower court to be heard when it comes to the signature verification, which is that signature that makes that tells us that a mail-in ballot is secure and real, and they haven't been following that in Maricopa County to the tune of 150,000 bogus ballots. So that's where our case stands right now, and and I'm waiting for that. And so I've been during that time. As my patience has been tested, I've been um, thankfully and, and so blessed to have been invited all over the country to speak to, to groups, and I'm, you know, I'm doing a lot of that. So I'll go and speak. You know, I did an event in Iowa, and we'll end up talking to some additional Republican clubs while we're there. I'm currently in Florida speaking at an event on border security tonight. I'll be in Texas uh, doing another event for um, just protecting our liberties here in this country. So I'm doing a lot of speaking events, and waiting for our court case to move through. What goes beyond that? I don't know. Right now, we're hoping that the the courts uh, rule in our favor, rule in favor of we the people, and that I end up in the governor's office. I'm the duly elected governor of Arizona, and I want to get in that governor's office and turn this Titanic around that we have right now, thanks to uh, just terrible leadership and terrible corrupt elections, you know, and leaving us with someone like Joe Biden. Uh, beyond that, I don't know. I mean, if for some reason we just don't have, um, you know, the ruling that the people deserve, I'm truly considering a run for U.S. Senate. There's a three-way race. And I just saw some polling, as a matter of fact, yesterday that shows that no one can beat me in the Republican primary. And I think that the establishment should get behind me and we should just go barreling through, if that is the case, um, and win and take back a Senate seat. Um, beyond that, I, I just don't have plans. I did write a book while I've been waiting for our court case, and that should be published here very soon. I'm looking forward to that. I should say I birthed a book. <laughs> That's what they say, right? A lot of my author friends in D.C., it's like having a child or like, you know, having a just it's like, a, oh, like once it's finished, it takes it a lot out of you. But you mentioned your faith. And I think we have some similarities in that I'm Catholic and my mother was one of 12. And 
I, I know, right? And you were one in nine. And how big a part, because not a lot of people will be open and honest about this, how big a part does faith and family play in keeping you sane, keeping you patient, getting you through this, you know, what was a difficult time, but how did you use that part of your life to see the silver lining and, and get that patience that you talked about? Well, I think just the very, the very fact that I'm on this path, I mean, I walked away from my career in journalism when I realized that it would, co- corporate corrupt media is just propaganda. And it was my faith that I leaned on in making that difficult decision, which really was the best decision ever. And God is so amazing. Uh, you know, I figured it was just going to be my career came to an end and I would go lead a private life, which I was totally fine with. And God ended up putting me on this fantastical journey, uh, helping to lead a political movement in Arizona. So when you put your, 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 Life into God's hands, God will do amazing things with your life. And it, it means everything. Uh, it's gotten me through every single dark moment during all of this because it's been very painful, not just having the hard work that I put in to run a, a perfect campaign, an exceptional campaign with wonderful solutions to the really big problems that we're facing in Arizona. And, you know, to have that stolen from me was painful. I'm not going to lie about that. But what was even more painful is to think about the hardworking Arizonans who put so much work into this, who are so excited to finally get representation that truly was about helping the people and return the government back to them. And to have it stolen from the people of Arizona, it just multiplies the, the anger and the pain. And that's why I'm fighting so hard. The left wants me to walk away and the uniparty rhinos want me to walk away. And I'll never walk away from this fight. We're going to fight every single angle we can in the legal system, and we'll take it to the U.S. Supreme Court if need be. But we're not going to stop fighting for the uh, sacred vote of the people of Arizona and, frankly, of this country. Good for you. I mean, it's hard. I, I experienced that as well, where I won't you know, go into details, but I left corporate media and I left certain places because there is a cost to conscience, but it's there, right? It's hard not to, to just ignore it, as so many people seem to do. But um, uh, good on you for letting your faith be your guide, because that's not this town. Uh, you know, I've lived in D.C. now the last you know, six of the last eight years, seven of the last nine years. It's not a town that runs on conscience and, and neither are a lot of the state capitals. So uh, it's, there's something to be said for that. And you don't realize it, um, but it, it, it shows up in physical, um, in physical symptoms, stress. Um, you know, you almost feel sick when you're doing that kind of work and you don't even recognize it because it kind of gradually happens. I will tell you this, if there's anybody out there thinking of leaving the corrupt news, it is the best decision I've ever made. Um, the, the, even just kind of the physical ailments of dealing with that kind of, uh, stress on your conscience. When you free yourself up from that and free your soul up from that, it is amazing. A, the energy you have, the, the change in your attitude and you just feel so much better. So I encourage people to walk away. It is not worth sticking with a job that is really, frankly, I think has become immoral the way the, the news business is run. It's not worth doing that at the risk of your health and more importantly, your soul. Exactly. And it's so shocking to me that so many people that millions of Americans, good Americans, take to be an honest voice or a truthful voice. No, they had corporate strings or they had people you know, telling them what to do, what they could and couldn't say. And that's what we're fighting against, it seems, as a country to, to not have that. So, good, you know, thank you for lifting or help lift the veil on that issue, because not a lot of people, they still they still watch it and don't realize. 
they're, they're attached to a paycheck. And I say to people who are still afraid to speak out, they say, oh, I know things are really bad, but I'm afraid to speak out. I'll lose my job. And I say, that's great. Keep your paycheck, lose your country. Yeah, exactly. But what's more important right now, and I'm just looking to the future. I have children of my own, and I, I really want to make sure I do everything in my power to ensure they have those wonderful liberties enshrined in the United States Constitution. All right, all you crazy cats out there, you Brace for Impact fans, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with some more from Carrie Lake. Stay tuned. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Hello, 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 all you Brace for Impact fans out there. Welcome back. Welcome back. We have another great segment coming up here with former gubernatorial candidate and election integrity expert, Carrie Lake. Do you think that there's room for more uh, groups like, uh, you know, foundations and think tanks on that side of the spectrum of political thinking? Because it seems like the school boards, the uh, churches, there are so many places throughout the country that have just, it's either center left or nothing. All the rest, the libertarian or the conservative ideas or the regular ideas of the past, they're not welcome here. If you, For the individuals out there listening that feel the way you feel, is there a group, a, uh, a person that they can follow, a quote? Something to give them a little bit of hope that's helped you stay afloat when they're deciding, should I leave? Should I sell my comfort and regain my soul? Is there any material out there they can go to? Because a lot of the world doesn't say that. They say the opposite. I don't know. I think people are waking up. I mean, I talked to so many people on the campaign trail who said, you know, it, I, I, I asked people, what was kind of the straw that broke your back? And for me, it was just, you know, lifting my nose up from the grindstone, being a worker, somebody who works hard and realizing that my profession had become propaganda and I, and I didn't want to take part in that. For a lot of people, it was the push, the forced vaccine in order to keep their job. And that's what just said, they said, no, I can't do that. I won't do that. For some people, it was they got the vaccine. And then when the second and booster and third and fourth came around, they said, no, I can't do that. So people are showing huge acts of courage and I, I just think, you know, I lean on the Bible. The Bible was really helpful. I was struggling with the fact of walking away from a very large, comfortable paycheck that gave me a very um, a good life. And I remember opening the Bible one day, and I just plopped it open. First Timothy chapter six, verse seven was staring right back at me, which is you take no- you bring nothing into this world, and you take nothing out. And I thought, wow, that's a sign. That paycheck, I can't take that paycheck with me. But I do have to take my soul with me and I have to meet my maker someday and know that I did the right thing. And so I, I, I think the Bible is a great place to lean. There's great organizations out there, but just get involved. Sign up to be a PC. Um, sign up to get involved in your kid's school or decide to homeschool your kids. If you can't make changes in the school where your kids are going, homeschool. Look into how to do that. We can all do something big or little to help, but we have to get registered to vote. We have to show up and vote, even in this rigged, bogus system. Because let me tell you, when we showed up and voted in mass on 2020, November 30th, November 3rd, and when we showed up in huge numbers to vote November 8th, 2022, we threw their system into such a frenzy 
that they couldn't just sneak around and cheat. They had to cheat in broad daylight, and it exposed the crime, it exposed the criminals, it exposed how they did it, who they are, and that's what is enabling us to go after them, slowly but surely go after them and get justice. And it's funny you mentioned the soul aspect of things, because uh, my grandmother, the one that had 12 kids, believe it or not, at the end of her life, last 20 years, she was in a convent. They took her. Her husband had died, and she wanted to be a nun, and she was a nurse. So they said, if you take care of the older nuns, we'll let you in. So we'd visit her through bars, and she'd write me often. And she passed uh, last year. But the last, I found her letter just, it's all right, it's, it happened. She was 90, so she was older. But I found the... Oh, she had an amazing life. She was a nurse. She was, you know, alive during World War II. She lived uh, you know, to have 12 children, 40 grandchildren almost. Oh, my gosh. What a legacy, huh? Right? And I'm reading the last letter she ever sent me because she'd always write me. Like, she'd outpace me 10 to 1. And so the old school script. And I read it. And I remembered that she, the last thing she told me on paper was, don't please other people. It's the hardest thing in your life to get the approval of human beings to not want that and to want the approval of God. Like you were saying, to focus on the soul over the paycheck, the soul over the substance. It may be harder in the beginning, but then we get that freedom that you talked about, that relief that, ah, oh, I'm doing the right thing. And sometimes you never, um, when, when that is your goal and that is the most noble goal, um, you never get the approval of others. And that's okay. Uh, we, we, we just celebrated Easter. And so we know um, that Jesus lived a perfect life and we know what his ending was here on earth. But we also know that that what we're supposed to do is to make sure that when we do have that meeting with God, it goes well. And that's the most important thing, without a doubt, 100,000 percent. And But you, you can't, you know, I've been attacked in the media nonstop. I get attacked online. And I, it, and I, and I think the people who are attacking me thinks it's getting me down and it upsets me. And it really doesn't. It doesn't look that way. <laughs> it doesn't upset me. It, I, I know that. I have the truth on my side. I know that what I'm doing and what I'm striving for is, is right. And when you know that with, with every fiber of your being, then all of that other noise doesn't matter. And so they can keep spending their energy and their time attacking me. And, and I think someday will come that they might even realize that they were wrong. And I hope so because I'm actually what I'm doing. And I hope, I think what you're doing, which is, is striving for truth is, is to make this country, to save our country, even for them. Because someday they will wake up, just as everybody kind of wakes up and goes, whoa, you know, especially during COVID, people woke up. And I know that even my detractors at some point might wake up, have something, a realization where they go, oh my gosh, I was wrong. And we're working to, to make this, um, save this country for them as well. Yeah, and that's the difference, right? The other side seems to want to destroy it and has a lot of hate behind some of the people leading that charge. But uh, the other side just wants you know, voter ID. Just show your ID to vote. That's one of the main, you know, it sends them into a frenzy. And it just seems like every argument, it used to be debunked arguments that were thrown out there for reasons why not to go that way. Why, why are you voter IDs racist? Why this? Why that? Now, and I don't know if you agree, it seems like they're not even bothering to retort anymore on a lot of these arguments. And that's amazing to me. I never thought in America someone could retain that much power without defending their ideas. Why do you think they're able to get away with it the way they have and show no facts, no backup, no discussion for it? Because they have been getting away with it. That emboldens them. And we're seeing it. It's they're not even trying. They don't even put forth qualified candidates. I mean, Katie Hobbs was in, in, incapable of, of putting forth policy that would solve our problem. She was incapable of stringing words together to make coherent sentences. 
She was incapable of campaigning and drawing even a few people to show up. Uh, same thing with Joe, with Fetterman, John Fetterman. And, and same thing with Joe Biden. They don't have to put forth competency because they are rigging elections. And, and I'm, I'm very disappointed in some of the folks in the Republican Party, and I call it the uniparty Republicans, who don't want to talk about the elections. They say it's looking backward. It's not looking backward. It's actually looking forward. I want to make sure going forward our elections are fair. And the way to determine that is to fix what we didn't get right in the past. You know, we've got to find out what they, what they cheated on in these past elections so that going forward we do have honest elections. And any Republican who is saying we can't keep talking about the past, they're, they're liars and they're wrong. And that shows me they really truly don't care about, about the will of the people. They care about the will of the uniparty. I'm for the will of the people. And the only way we're going to get the will of the people is to reform our elections so that we, the people, truly do have um, a sacred vote. Do you think there's a chance to get this under control by next November in a way that we get a fair shake and neither side of the country is going, oh, well, uh, my guy didn't win. My woman didn't win. It can't have been real. And then have this big clash again like we did in 2020. Or do you think that enough states have passed enough laws and enough voters have had enough or have said enough is enough that this next November, it's going to be a little more of a normal process? Or do you predict it's going to be chaotic for a few cycles and, and criminal for a few cycles? I don't know if we're going to get it all fixed. Well, we, I'm, I'm, I'm I'm praying we get enough fixed and we get enough fixed to change it. My concern is, to be honest, when we do start to make some moves in place to get our elections reformed so that all votes, all legal votes count, is that the uniparty, the swamp, the creatures in the swamp will rear their ugly heads and say, well, we're just not going to have an election. They'll find a way. You know, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. The world seems to be spiraling in some ways out of control. We um, seem to be uh, on a fast march toward World War III. We're watching as b hundreds of billions of dollars go over to Ukraine for a war that doesn't even appear to be um, successful. We don't know where the money's going. They're embezzling money. They're laundering money. It's coming back into the political system here. It is corruption times a thousand. And, um, you know... I fear that they may try to start a war or, or rush us into war and try to stop elections if they don't feel that they can steal them anymore. And so it's really incumbent on we the people to rise up and say, no, we're not going to take this anymore. We're not putting up with it. And this is a moment that is worth fighting for. Um, I'm, I'm doing what I can, and there's a lot of people. It's not just me. I'm getting some of the credit because I'm the face that's on here talking to you. And But there's a lot of volunteers and hardworking people that are with me shoulder to shoulder, doing the hard work, doing the investigation so that we can um, hopefully have some victory in our case. Yeah, it'd be nice to stop using the word unprecedented in a negative way uh, if we can in the next few years. But I think you might be right. We're headed for uh, that's hence the name of the show. Like you pointed out, Brace for Impact. And uh, on a more positive note, cause we have a few minutes here before we close the segment with you and we let you go because I know you're very busy. But um, when you think of uh, in your personal time and you're trying to not think about this, you said you read the Bible. That's part of it. I usually ask my guests if they have a favorite movie or a favorite song or a favorite thing that isn't connected to politics that you go to, a book that maybe you said you read the Bible. But is there anything within the, the culture that you like that inspires you, that gives you uh, wings, so to speak? Um, I listen. I don't listen. I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't consume a lot of, um, of TV um, because I've been really busy. 
I do read the Bible. Usually in the middle of the night when I can't sleep, I wake up and think, well, if I read the Bible, I'll fall back asleep. And then <laughs> actually it keeps me awake. Um, but I listen to music. I have kind of a playlist and it's eclectic from country music to Christian music to, you know, eighties songs. And I'll be honest, I don't do a lot of just relaxing and hobbies right now because my days are full. I'm busy traveling. I've been busy working on the book. I'm looking forward to having a little bit of downtime, hopefully this summer to spend time with my kids uh, when my son comes home from college and we're all kind of back in the house together. But um, movies, I, I really enjoy watching, you know, some of the old like 80s movies. I love Mel Gibson movies, The Patriot, Braveheart, some of those movies that actually get you kind of stirred up and fired up to do courageous things. Awesome. And before I let you go, I just want to ask one last question um, about the the future with voting. And before we let, let you uh, disconnect, COVID seemed to change all the rules. And I know the states are working to get that back up and running. But um, do you think that it's possible to ever get back to the, you know, the, the way that we trusted the vote like we did before? Because right now, even if the reforms were enacted, I feel like the other side would claim that the, you know, the right was interfering and they would have doubts about the uh, outcome of the election. So is there any other root causes we can address, you think, that can bring us together so that every election doesn't turn into a he said, she said, that's that's wrong. He couldn't have won. She couldn't have won. What other things can we work on to make sure that doesn't happen uh, down the line? I think exposing where the criminality has been and where the cheating has been is the first step. I mean, one of our parts of our case that's moving back down to the lower court is that signature verification. And, and for the people who love mail-in ballots, I think they believe that there's some security features on them. There is one security feature on a mail-in ballot, and that's the signature verification. And we can prove that the signatures aren't matching. Literally, there's no matching. It's not being done. It's a scribble. And when people actually see that with their own eyes, I, I really believe that the American citizens will say, we don't want that because voting is too important. It's too important to get right. And when they're finally exposed to the truth, and, and I don't, I don't count on the fake news ever giving us the truth, but once the fake news starts to falter, which they are, and people are starting to turn to people like you and, and other outlets that are giving real truthful journalistic, uh, stories, then when they see how bad our elections are, I think they're going to want some reform and we'll get that reform. One day voting, mail, not, no mail-in ballots, vote by paper. We count the same day. We can do it. If this is not brain surgery, we can do it and it can be done. Unfortunately, we've got some pretty bad people right now who never won the election who are sitting in our state government in Arizona. And the guy in charge of our elections, Adrian Fontes, Secretary, Secretary of State's office right now, who I believe lost his election, is a cartel attorney. I mean, this is how bad it is in Arizona. The cartels are firmly in control of Arizona, not just at the border. They're pumping in drugs, poisoning our people, and the people that they have installed in our, in our government are not good people. They're not honest people, and what they're doing is wrong. And, and it's frightening to think that the cartels have taken control of Arizona. That's why we're fighting at this moment through the court system to do whatever we can. I do believe that once we, we get one domino to fall and we start exposing how bad our elections are, other people will wake up and we will see reform. And that's what I pray for. I have to have some hope and that's my hope. Right, we have to. And it seems it seems money is driving it. And I'll end with this and I'll let you go. But it seems like money is driving that, that uh, effort to 
go against the American way to flip all these things up. What's the motive? I can't think of any other reason other than personal enrichment, that comfort we talked about with the corporate media. Is that driving it? Is that driving these forces? The frightening part, Nick, is, you know, I, I ran the most grassroots campaign, I think, in America, maybe maybe second to President Trump's. The people donating to me were real people, $10, $20, $50, $100, real people who were donating and were trying to make sure that their voice was heard. The Democrats and the Uniparty, you know, you'll hear that they're raising tens of millions of dollars seemingly overnight. A lot of this is money coming uh, through a laundered system, a la- uh, they're money laundering. And so we really need to clean up that whole system, too, of, of campaign, um, you know, fundraising that's going on. And I'm, I, I think we need to reform that as well. Well, Kerry Lake, thank you so much for your time. We'll be keeping an eye on you. We'll be praying for you. At least I will be. I can say that much. And thank you so much for sharing not only your battle, but your story and, and your optimism and, and your, your message. It really, I think we need it now more than ever. So I really appreciate you coming on and, and giving that th- those thoughts. Well, I thank you so much, Nick. And just remember, I mean, the, the, when you're watching the news and when people who are listening to this are watching the, the mainstream media, their whole mission is to divide us and, and make you afraid and make you nervous and, and scared. They're not telling you the good victories that we're having, and we are having victories. But we do need everyone to get involved and resist all of that uh, fake news, resist all of the negativity coming from them, and let's concentrate on, on working, I think, number one, on election integrity, because we can't get all the other things we want to see happen in this world if we have botched, stolen, corrupt elections. And it's imperative that we talk about that and demand election reform. Thank you for having me, Nick. All right, all you listeners out there in podcast and radio land, we're going to take a quick break, but get ready to brace for the impact of this next segment. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Wow. Powerful stuff. And how unexpected it was that she opened up so personally, considering that she is a political candidate at this point. Usually, they keep it very broad and stick to an agenda. Facts that will maybe help their future campaigns, but that's it. With her, though, it felt like she was just speaking her truth. And now, speaking for myself, that interview was cathartic and cleansing. It made me so much more sane to know that I wasn't the only one who felt that working in media had drastically changed. And changed so much so that I also wasn't the only one that felt physically affected by this. I've shared with my audience a lot of the things I've survived through, cancer, broken back being a few, Lyme disease. And your health is important. Some employers pretend to care about your health, and they give you a little bit of breathing room here and there, but they'd rather you break your back, which I did literally earlier in my youth. But they'd rather have you break your back and sweat and produce for them and make money than have your physical or mental health be their first thought, at least in media and politics, speaking for DC, speaking for New York. And yes, there were also people there, I want to add, that 
were very good about when I had to get MRI checkups or I had to miss a day because of chronic pain. Or So there wasn't a top-down, it's all evil, it's a very black and white situation. But a lot of the good people that you would think would act with common sense lost that common sense due to dollar signs. Kerry talked about encouraging people to walk away from work that makes you feel that way, that it's immoral and it risks your health. I remember I had that knot in my stomach. My pain went up. My medicine usage went up. It was not fun. And it could have been avoided. That's the shame of it. Because I do remember a media that I worked in that had people, more people in it, that didn't just care about quotas and quantity and cash. There was a soul to the reporter in the editor's mind. There was a soul behind each salary in the executive's minds. Even if it wasn't to the nth degree, there was a sense of humanity. Especially given how up and down this business can be when you have a good job. It's like a roller coaster, even when things are going well. Everyone with power and authority these days, it seems, and again, politics and media, two of the most powerful forces in the world, they have an agenda. Everyone has these puppet strings. In Carrie's words, they're attached to a paycheck. And she shot back, keep your paycheck, lose your country. And that's where we're headed. People that should otherwise be standing up or saying no or doing different things are being bought out. I talked about, during the episode, a letter that my late grandmother wrote to me. And I've shared a little bit about her as well, in that she was a mother of 12 children. And when her husband died, she later decided to join a convent and become a nun for the last 20 years or so of her life. And I found the last letter that she wrote to me before she passed away last year. And it was dated late 2021. And she kept emphasizing that the only way we can make it through this life is when we seek to please God first and not other people. That's when we see our true purpose come into focus. Evil is real. Some people don't believe it'll ever happen to them or that it's only that way in the movies. Maybe they get lucky and they avoid it their whole life. But it's there. It is alive and well in our country and in our world today. It has many advantages. Evil. Because sometimes it doesn't come to you as something scary or evil on its face. It's alluring. It's, it wants to draw you in. It can come in the form of an action, not doing what you're supposed to be doing, not quitting that toxic job. And as Carrie said, there is a mission to divide the country through fear. Evil and fear go together very well. Evil thrives off of fear. I'm reminded of a quote from the novel and the film Dune, D-U-N-E. Not the remake, by the way, the original, with Kyle MacLachlan. And the quote is this, and I, my father drilled it into me. I never forgot it. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. So take that quote and carry Lake's words to heart. Don't be troubled. Don't allow the negativity to drag you down as hard as it can be. It can't be rainy days forever. The sun will come out. 
And in my humble opinion, it's beginning to rise over the mountains where we can see it. And it can't come fast enough. So hang in there. I want to thank Carrie Lake, her husband, and her wonderful media team for helping set this up. And I also want to give a special thank you and a shout out to our Just the News reporters, Charlotte Hazard and Natalia Middlestadt. Charlotte helped get this interview set up and has always been a positive influence on the office. She's a really wonderful soul. And Natalia is one of the best reporters we have. She covers the Arizona election issues quite often, and she does great work with election integrity in general, some of which Carrie had noticed, read, and shared. So a big thank you to the two of them for their support and their great work as journalists. And to the rest of you out there, stay the course, keep the faith, and in the words of the late, great coach Jimmy Valvano, Jimmy V., don't give up. Don't ever give up. We'll see you next time. Thank you.